0: Have you ever wondered why we say the certain things we say specifically here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church on Sunday morning? If you've gone to a funeral or to a wedding outside of a Presbyterian church and they said the Lord's Prayer, there's that awkward moment when you're the only one in the room that's saying debts and debtors and everybody around you is saying trespasses So, have you ever wondered why? Why do we say it that way? Well, actually, because the Lord's Prayer is found in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it says debtors. In the Gospel of Luke, it says sin or trespass. So, we're both right, right? Did you notice when we just stood and said the Apostles' Creed, we actually said we believed in the Holy Ghost? Is it because it's about to be Halloween? Like, What were our early fathers thinking, making our our Holy Spirit spooky? But yet, the reason is that the Greek word can be translated as spirit or ghost. And so, it's just kind of something that's stayed with us. Or why do we sprinkle when we sprinkled his head, but other traditions dunk? Well, you could look at scripture and you can see places where we're supposed to do both. So we're gathering as a people of faith. We gather around scripture and we don't always agree on what it says. And other traditions believe in different things, but we are determined here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church that this is what we do as a people of faith. Last week we began this series called Gather. And you have this fictional person that you run into in Austin who has just moved here and you tell him that you have this amazing church and he says back to you, why? And you don't really know what to say. You're like, it's just amazing. It's the people. And the thing is that that's not gonna be good enough for your new friend. And I think it's really important for all of us to be able to thoughtfully articulate what makes this place so amazing. And so last week we talked about the, the primal thing that we have been created to do as, hum, as humans, and that's to worship God. And so we are going to gather week after week, and we are going to gather around worship. It's the heartbeat of who we are at Wesley Hills Presbyterian Church. But the other thing is, is that we are going to gather not just to worship, you know, based on our own Thoughts, or what Emily, or the clergy, or the staff think we should do. No, we gather and we gather to study the Word of God. We gather around Scripture, but Scripture—what does that really mean? Because it is completely normal to to have a relationship with Jesus, to be spiritual, but then why do I have to like live according to what a book says? And I know I'm preaching to the choir because y'all are here and you're okay with the Bible, obviously. So why are you doing it? Why are you going against the trend? Well, I am convinced that it's because we have this foundation, this truth, that even though it is not always the New York Times bestseller, this thing we have, the Bible, is timeless. And y'all know, you've experienced this, that you know you come year after year to Easter, and yet you hear a different message, even though it's the same message. Scripture is alive. So there is this passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus tries to explain to us, you know, what is the point? What is even the point of following what it says? Why do we even need to Live our lives according to the way the scripture says. Why can't we just like go with what our gut says, or with what our parents told us, or our grandparents, or what Forbes magazine is telling us how we should live? So, we're going to look and see what Jesus says about this commandment, these laws, before we look to the scripture. Will you pray with me? Holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. You are our source of truth. And we look to you, not to any of my words. May anything that is of the flesh fall by the wayside. May we just hear your word this day. And may we hear it, taking it in so that we cannot leave unchanged. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear Jesus' words. You are the light of the world. Just kidding. You are the salt of the earth. You are also the light of the world, but he starts with salt. (laughs) You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything. It needs to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage is at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But it's important to note where it's located. Right above it are the Beatitudes. And that's where Jesus begins the sermon and he says the series of phrases, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers, on and on. And then there's this passage, and then right after it, Jesus begins to go into certain elements of the law, not just the big 10, but other ones. And then he begins to look at this through a new lens, a lens of love, but before he even gets into the law, he is so smart. He knows that the crowd's gonna think, why do we even have to pay attention to the law? Why? It's too many rules. What's, what's the point in even knowing it? And these people would not have had a book in their hands. It would have been something that they had heard. What's the point in even knowing it? And you see, he begins with the point. He says, you Are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You see, we do life according to the Bible. We do life because that's what the Bible tells us to do, because for some crazy reason, God chose us to be the means by which the world would come to know the Father. There's the so that in the scripture be light, be salt so that others will be able to bring glory to God. We gather around scripture personally and as a community because this is our life book. This is the book that tells us how to live our best life but not just for ourselves. Not just so that you know we make sure we stay out of trouble or that we get on God's good list and not on his naughty list. The reason we follow what's in these scriptures is because it literally is the means by which we are salt and light to a world that is desperate to know Jesus. We have a responsibility. So Jesus, he he says you need to follow these commandments. When Jesus says follow the commandments of God, what is he referring to? Is he just referring to like the big 10? Because I think we all We all are okay with the big 10. And and no, he's not. He doesn't say you just get to throw it all out and keep the 10. That's not in there. He's referring to the law. I want you, if today you have time, go back and read it. Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, take a peek at it. These are the laws of God. And we have to read it, obviously, through our new lens, the lens that Jesus gave us, this lens of love. We need to read it within the context he says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. So about a 100 years after Jesus' death, there was a man from Turkey named Marcion. And Marcion had a real problem with Old Testament, the Hebrew God. And he, as he, when he would read these stories, these ancient stories, to him, you know, that, that Old Testament, that's not what he would have called it. That, that God of the Jews is what he would have called it. That, that God there is, is incompatible with the God I know in Jesus. And so what he did is he came to Rome and he talked to the leaders of the early Christian church. This is in like year 144. Marcion comes and he says, there is no way that the God we know in Jesus is the same God of those Hebrew people. And so he decided he was going to reject it. And so Marcion said, you know what? The God that I know showed up in year zero. And that other God, that wasn't a, a good God. And you know, y'all, have you read any of the Old Testament recently? And you read it and you're, you're kind of like, I can see what you were talking about. There, there, there is a psalm that says that we need to dash the heads of our enemies, of the infants of our enemies against rocks. I read that and I think I can see where Marcion was coming from. He was named a heretic. He was cast out from the church, but not without thousands and thousands of followers who agreed with him. And I wonder if any of y'all have been tempted like me to see passages in the Old Testament, maybe the New Testament, and said, you know what, I'm just gonna kind of like redact those. Just kind of pop them out. Well, I want you to know that a core value of how we do scripture here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church is that it is completely okay to be uncomfortable with some of the scripture. That's okay, we want you to wonder. We want you to ask questions of the scripture and then we're gonna get together and we're gonna wrestle about it. We're gonna dive into it and you know what? On this side of paradise there is not gonna be an answer to every one of those difficult passages but we are committed to gathering around it and letting that word speak into our lives. There are going to be texts that are difficult to read, we're gonna gather around them. There are gonna be texts that are messy, we're gonna gather around them. There are gonna be texts that convict us, we're gonna gather around them. There's gonna be texts that are so encouraging, everybody's gonna leave and feel like God just gave us a big old hug, but it's not gonna happen every week. Because that's just not what, that's not even our life. And if the scripture, as Ashley just said, If the Scripture is our story, and you know that our story doesn't feel like a big old hug every day of our lives, and that's what this this amazing Scripture is doing, is opening up to us, because I know in this room, there are people in here who interpret Scripture differently than I do. I love that. When Jesus chose his 12 disciples, did he choose 12 that were like him? He chose people he knew were literally going to deny him. He chose people that he knew would have a completely different view and interpretation of how to live life and he said, you're on my team. That is why it is so important. If there is a scripture that you're like, I don't agree with you, Emily, you call me. Let's go. That's fine. I'm not intimidated by that. We are going to gather around it. What gives the scripture the authority is that it authors my life. It tells me how to live my best life. Here's an example of a difficult scripture. We just read it. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, come on, Jesus. Like, why are you making this a measuring game? The word that he used for great is mega. You, I, don't want, I don't want one more thing that I have to try to be mega at. I mean, aren't we measured enough, school, those report cards that Ian sends out to me every single Saturday at like 3 a.m. <laughs> then you've got your, your re- annual reviews at your company. And then you have to go to the doctor and there's lots of measurements there I don't want to see. And, God, and he's, he's saying, no, if you do these, then, then you are great or least. What is, what is Jesus calling? What is he saying here? This is what I think. I think Jesus knows that our tendency as humans is to kind of be lazy. It's to take this grace thing that God has given us and to say, you know what, it's just a bunch of rules. So we don't really need to follow it, we can redact it, we can take the ones we like and, and then you know, choose the ones and, and, and you know, I think that Jesus is setting the standard really, really high. He's saying pursue righteousness. When you pursue righteousness, when you follow these commandments, you will live your best life. There's nothing else to it. You will live your best life if you do this. And it's important, and this is something we really are committed to here at this church, is when we read the scripture to read it in context. And so this difficult passage, we look at it, and we're like, okay, what was Jesus talking about? In context, we see that Jesus' sermon goes on and he takes these, these little lines of the law. He doesn't throw them out, but he says, you know what, you have heard it has been said, do not kill, I tell you, have you been angry? You have heard that it has been said, do not commit adultery, I tell you, what are your thoughts like? You have heard that it is said, do not lie. I tell you, are you being truthful? Jesus reframes it all. He says, these are the commandments, but you you have to look at it through this lens of love. And so we see that in the context, what Jesus is talking about is being in relationship with the scripture. Jesus lets them know and lets us know, and we can't miss this, y'all. It is by the way that we live our life as salt and light, that the world will come to know him. It's, it's a, a weight, it is a weight, but it is not a weight that we bear alone. It is so essential that we follow and live our best life because this is the way that the world will come to know who Jesus is. I wanna make sure I say this. On the one hand, something that we always say here is that you know, there's absolutely nothing you can do to separate you from the love of God, right? There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. God loves you. But y'all, there's this other real part of God that says that because of that love, there is a response that is necessary. And so it does matter how we live our life. And the toolkit for living our best life is the scripture. We gather around scripture, for it is the written word of God. It tells the story of God recklessly Pursuing humanity just because God wants to be in relationship with us. We gather around scripture because it tells the story of Jesus, the person for whom we should model our life after. We gather around scripture because in its stories, we see our story. We gather around the easy texts, the hard texts, the ones that are confusing, the ones that are easy to understand, the whole of it. And we will never come to a perfect interpretation or perfect agreement on this side of paradise. But we are gonna study it. We are gonna discuss it. We are gonna let it encourage us. We are gonna let it convict us. We will let it shape the way we live our best life. So do y'all have a stack of books on your nightstand? I do. And it's kind of indicative of my relationship with God, looking at that stack. Because some, some days, some weeks, some months, my Bible gets to the bottom of the stack. And what stays on top is that New York Times bestseller. It's where the crawdad sinks. Got to make sure to read that book. Everybody's talking about it, right? I wonder if you just took stock of those Bibles in your house, like how many of them have dust on it? I want to challenge all of us this week. Read our Bible every day. If you have been, if that seems like a super lofty goal or you don't even know where to begin, begin with the Gospel of Matthew. Keep reading after what we read today. It's, it's life applicable stuff. Let it speak to you. If you read things that are confusing, put a question mark and send a staff member or send one of your friends an email. If you read something that is encouraging, write it down on a separate piece of paper and keep it on a post-it where you can see it. If you read something that's convicting, highlight it. You can write in your Bible. Let this word of God speak to us and we are going to gather around it. And then I want you to find someone to talk to. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your children. Talk to a friend. Talk to a neighbor. Let them know how the word of God is speaking to you. Because this book, this is our textbook for life. And you might be the only Bible that someone ever reads. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.